300 people worldwide are currently suffering from depression. These statistics are from the World Health Organization survey in 2018. They did the survey for India's National Care of Medical Health. Now what's even more alarming is that in this list India tops the chart followed by China and the US. And most people in India are affected by anxiety, schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. In today's podcast I'm joined by Amrita Tripathi. She's a mental health ambassador. Amrita is the author of Broken News and the Sibius Knot and the founder of Health Collective. Mind games. Mind games. Mind games. With Anandita Chatterjee. Amrita, can you just explain this to me? How did a journalist, a writer, make her foray into uh, mental health advocacy? How did you even get into this? I've actually been a journalist for about fifteen years uh, and a novelist. Um, and all this to say that it was the uh, sort of background as a, as a journalist and as a storyteller, which I see as a common link, that led me to set up the Health Collective, uh, which essentially sees itself and wants to maintain a sort of safe space to talk about uh, mental health and mental illness with an India lens, with an India focus, and curate that space. Um, and the skill that I bring is obviously as a storyteller, given this kind of background as a journalist, but it's also what has. Um, led me to understand a few of the challenges when it comes to uh, mental health specifically in that in the mainstream media let's put it so basically that's in a nutshell my background right amrita now um this podcast like i like to design it is always about personal stories right and uh, i mean i've been following you and the health collective for some time now and i understand that it's like a safe haven people say things people get connected to psychologists and therapists and uh, doctor panels and you know fellow sufferers if i may say and i always believe that you only go ahead and do such things when there's a personal story involved you know because this is not your job yeah you have a full time job you literally do this on the side yeah like your own personal csr if i may say say it that way tell me what is and i'm being presumptuous here there's this personal story but i always believe there is yeah. some personal trigger yeah. when people step up or step out of their own comfort zone to create a you know little uh, space and little canopy like this tell me what was that personal thing that happened or personal incident that um moved you to create health collective okay that's very perceptive i have to say uh, i'll i'll tell you a couple of the immediate triggers for the site and then i'll come to the personal uh, the the you know your the crux of a question um it was actually as a reporter and uh, as a health editor at a, at a news network where i used to cover mental health that i realized where uh, the importance of storytelling and where as uh, you know the mainstream media sort of underserving a very huge need right which is where i saw that gap in india for the first time um and when we started the immediate trigger actually was i was actually going to do the smart thing and wait for a grant and then do it as a reporting project but uh, in 2016 i remember seeing someone i only knew off of twitter tweeting that a friend of his was suicidal and did anyone know if there were any leads you know where could where could they go for help um and i saw this two days later and i dm'd and i was like i'm sure you've heard by now and i was shocked and actually appalled that as you will be that they hadn't so to my mind two days 2016 mumbai you know educated upper middle class still not aware of 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 where help is available so can you the mind sort of it's, it's quite staggering to think about or other underserved um categories. So I didn't wait for the grant and, and a friend and I had been thinking about this idea. I just decided to set it up as initially a place to find information that you can trust, um where you can go for help and first person stories. But to take a step back and I think it took me a while to think about how to articulate uh, there is a personal connection. Um I, I think like many many people um in this country and certainly 
statistically that that does bear out but um there's mental illness in my family that's not necessarily my story to tell but uh, near and dear ones have uh, you know suffered and lived with schizophrenia um someone i'm very close to has major depression um and then i did uh, use the sort of the, the platform allows you the anonymity if you wish right so i haven't i'm happy to share it with you because i i feel already i can trust you but uh, sometimes it's important to share you so i have had like a um a history of you know i had an issue with disordered eating for a long time when i was younger and i certainly suffered with self you know from self harm when i was younger um so i've written about the self harm piece without my name but sort of being like this is um and the novels i wrote i started realizing that there was an undercurrent all you know so sometimes it takes a while for you to sort of psychoanalyze yourself and see what's driving your interest the novels i've been writing the fiction the non fiction there's always something um that that mental health has uh, has to do with right so i i realized that um one of the most important things we can do is just this normalize the conversation right if i was younger and i had known and you know that if you remember adolescence and young i mean we were a little yeah, bit yeah i was older. coming to that and yeah. I'm, i i why i uh, must uh, pitch in here is that i mean you know all my post- podcasts are a lot about uh, you know where i open up to because yeah. i do not want to be the interviewer who's always asking questions and because you brought up self harm i think from the age 15 to 21 there was this space where i would have self harm myself in lots of different ways and it was the most agonizing period but i was think but in hindsight i think i from caterpillar i became a butterfly and i mm. think i figured myself out a lot mm. uh but at the same time very painfully so yeah. and uh, i think the crust broke open and stuff but it was painful did you have that same adolescence period were you yeah i think i mean i'm, I'm thank you for sharing that I, I, it's it's i i wish that we hadn't had to go through this yes. you know at, at some level i and i think that for me if i had known and i think of like a younger anandita younger amrita if we had known like some of the things that you're struggling with especially when you're coming to yeah. you know you're going through adolescence young adulthood it's it's crushing right the pressure is incredible you feel miserable but amrita you know honestly um i have always felt that those things i did it was like an sos yeah but nobody was listening nobody knew i didn't want to from. i didn't want to die yeah. you know all this through all this this period where yeah. i'm self hurting i'm cutting myself with a blade yeah. burning myself with cigarette stubs I'm like I don't want to die. Yeah. No, it's absolutely and we And it's almost like, you know, either I want to feel something is that something that I think yeah, and we should give a trigger warning at your in your podcast. We should make sure that you know anyone who's going through these feelings uh this is not a sustainable way to take care of yourself. So we should come to the help and um, immediately so yeah. because I think it was wrong. Yeah. It in, was it was damaging. It is it is destructive. Yes, it, um, and and I don't think it in any way it served the purpose. and i think that the other thing to tell you is so for me yes absolutely it was a way of uh, trying to you know and i think you'll see a lot of these common th- uh, threads in these stories right when you when you meet uh, fellow survivors or folks who've gone through this you are trying to um, feel you're trying to stop feeling you're trying to feel less intensely none of this actually works as a sustainable strategy um i was just going to say that i i wish that at that time i'd known i wasn't alone because on top of this you start self um, you know the self hatred builds and you sort yes. of like stigmatize yourself and you're like i'm such a freak why am i doing this what i think we can do now as adults and 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 thank you for the podcast i think it's it's a, it's a gift and i hope that uh, the community like uh, you know certainly learns more about this um if we normalize these conversations a younger anandita younger amrita young folks today you know one of the most powerful things is knowing hey listen 
you're going through a lot and you're unique and you're wonderful in your own ways but a lot of people like you're not alone you know so yeah, for sure. me that's kind of the thing of understanding that one if somebody had known what to look for yeah. could they have loved ones they would have known where to or how to give you uh, how to help you in and wh- whatever way and i think all i mean self harm especially is i think a way because you're not able to address your real issue yeah. it's almost like i'm struggling it's like a dark room where you've entered you're looking for your glasses or your phone and there's just you, you don't know what to do yeah so it essentially is a way to reach out and you because you can't yeah you just try to damage and that is absolutely not the way to go i mean and especially with so much available on twitter on yeah. social media now i mean honestly i think a younger anandita and a younger amrita right now is better off honestly yeah. amrita i think i honestly, think so. i think because so. i have seen and yesterday um you know i was talking to lots of young um, you know young young 22 24 year olds and they were all saying that when they were suffering they went and spoke to a friend who quickly put them through a yeah you know some professional help yeah and not only that they have also discussed this with their parents and i think that's so comforting yeah for me amrita that is so comforting that they have been able to reach out for help yeah and that sos has worked yeah. because they've reached the right place okay yeah. and also they've been able to talk in the family because i don't think when i was growing up at that time i could really address it yeah and tell mom yeah. that hey you know i think I'm just a bit off balance. I think I didn't even have the vocabulary to That's be honest. That's exactly right. Yeah. We didn't have the vocabulary. We didn't have the skill set. Nobody around you really knew what was happening. I think that so our parents generation I think were you know they had their own challenges, right? And and partly this is also most people you'll meet there's somebody in the family who was unwell uh, in quotation marks we never talk about. Um my mom actually had a couple of people read this post I had posted deliberately anonymously let me put it that way because she's a huge champion of the site and of the work I'm doing. Um and she immediately knew it was me. And she was like, "Oh, you know, I just it's so brave of you to share your story and that's what i want to say to you as well i think it's uh, it's brave um we can take comfort and it's so heartening to hear especially for younger people that they know sure. what they who they can reach out to um and where they don't that's where we you know that's what we're here for we're here to tell you help is available we're here to tell you that you're not alone and that's something that's i think that that's that's the virtuous circle right, right. it's if you know that um tomorrow i can mail find help not feel alone yeah. um that's a huge gift and um, i think somewhere the youngsters have been able to equate physical elements with mental health where if you develop a bronchitis if you develop a dengue you immediately reach out to the hospital i think they've figured out that even with mental health that must be done yeah, yeah. and i think that even it's like it's like seeing the light yeah hey you know it's it's all right yeah you have a problem you go to a doctor you have another sort of problem so you go to another doctor yeah but the fact that you must get treated and not try to do this alone is i think one of the biggest change that i'm seeing in young people now yeah and i think the last 10 15 years the fact that we can talk about these things but i i do want to say i mean the one caveat i will give is that you know when we do some of these interviews with uh, you know mental health experts and so on the numbers are that we are still talking about a very very privileged bubble you know what i mean and yes. even in that there's work to be done um i think some of the numbers that uh, you know dr vikram patel quoted in an interview to us from the national mental health survey were that when you're looking at mental disorders mental illnesses um the the estimate was that 10% of indians um require help and i think he broke that down further to say and this is on our site but broke that down further to say that 90% of those are not getting the help they need and mm. it you know it's it's worse as you look at more and more marginalized communities because they don't have necessarily these vocabularies these yes. the skills yes. do you they do you think have, it's a urban narrative The urban narrative actually I think um let's put it this way I think even the urban narrative was missing 
10 years ago 15 sure. years ago we've made some progress there um and folks like you know i mean i did i sometimes i ask you know these guys in these interviews like do you think i mean how helpful is it that say yes. dikka padukone comes out and yes, talks about yes. depression it's a big deal right i mean is she's it? helping to remove yeah so this was again a very nuanced answer i got which was that uh, it's important it's helpful it helps remove some of the stigma um but it does it can potentially reinforce this and this is again directly dr dr patel saying it can help reinforce that uh, conception misconception people have that mental illness only affects rich uh, you know people who can afford it yeah. it's actually disproportionately affecting our poorer communities where we don't have uh, you know the bulk of sure. uh, mental health experts and conversations so frankly that's where you know folks like you and i uh, mm. and and folks who have sometimes a platform uh, can do a lot of good right because you can tell the stories in a way that they they need to reach out you can collaborate with folks who are on the ground um and i think that uh, i found that certainly that stigma I mean I think that this is anecdotal and we we I'd love to hear from your listeners uh, and certainly our readers um it's it's sometimes easier to talk about some things now we can talk about anxiety we can talk about depression i see a lot of queries it's still a little bit difficult to talk about psychosis like schizophrenia and you know where is it's a spectrum so i i i would love to know what you think of how we're looking to battle that stigma and what you make of that yeah of that i mean uh, amrita i mean my experience and i work i mean i mean i mean at here i work as a talent scout and a youth mentor essentially that's that's how you can define my job doesn't matter the designation and because i hire lots of young people um in urban cities and in uh, tier 2 markets and um i tend to believe that uh, this stigma is still very prevalent okay um although as you said the urban crowd can probably reach out the tier 2 cities i see them struggling and I always um seem to feel that they still think that talking about it will in some way affect their careers. Mm. So there are some brave youngsters who come up and talk to me about you know their challenges in the mental health space and I try and put them um across to whoever and I know. Um but I feel that they feel that it's a disadvantage. It's almost like they're telling me but in their hearts they're feeling am I judging them will it affect yeah. the career yeah. it's no not so much personal judgment they fear that oh she might get me personally but will it affect my career that's a good point yeah and i also feel that there isn't enough corporate conversations about yeah. this and that i feel like a huge disadvantage in fact i've spoken to my bosses saying you know like the posh committee okay like the whistle blowing committee in corporate offices we must have an sos for mental health mm. i've seen so many young people breaking down in studios and corridors in the women's loo and i don't even know what is happening with the men honestly <laughs> yeah. you know um and there is just no corporate help in that sense is the hr aware am i is is my young 23 year old able to, you know 23 year old employee able to come and tell hr look i need two days off because i'm going through de addiction mm. Am I comfortable coming and you know I was speaking to one of my teammates and he said he's trying to quit alcohol and it's a big issue and he has con- constant headaches am I making space for it in my HR structure mm. you know in my personal management structure and I think that I would want to know how 
you know you're in in some way in the advocacy space hmm. what do you suggest must be done to bring about a framework like this that's a, that's a good point so we are getting pulled in a few different directions i have to i have to mention that because of the like you said it's something i do right now hopefully something i do full time later but as where we are in our development we do get pulled into different stakeholder meetings uh, you know we work we work collaboratively as well um which is which is actually a huge privilege uh, we've been thinking of rolling out a series of workshops for corporates precisely because of this uh, the biggest i think um, issue that gets flagged is often stress so yes. even that right like how do you work uh, to help your employees deal with stress on a regular basis um and and i think that what you're saying about committees i think it's really going to come down to individual uh, companies uh, and and then perhaps there's a way of doing like a gold star rating who knows right i mean maybe it's for the uh, for the employees and and folks to think through um it would be great to work for i mean it's like a six sigma for mental health yeah would not be great so yeah. th- you know that's that's a possibility right certainly that we work with certain organizations who then we trust will companies want to do it i think it's you know we'll have to wait and see because i think that for some of them um there's definitely that human side where uh, they do want to do the best i mean it's not that they maybe they don't know that these are things that they can do um for some it really is about the bottom line but even when it comes to the bottom line if uh, you know a mentally healthy <laughs> employee is a sure, good employee sure. um and i think again to make that distinction between mental health and mental illness now we have the percentages for you know roughly who we think uh in terms of numbers for the country but mental health uh, as has been pointed out to me several times affects all of us right whether or not you're going through something or not going through we are all um uh it it affects all of us whether you look at it as mel- wellness stress uh how you deal with things so for companies i think it does become uh, important to look at um i'm not sure that it can be a one size fit all so maybe there is a policy for example the way we have you know leaps and bounds in the maternity leave policy yes maybe it's something to think through right i mean when you're talking about stress when you're sure. talking about what about somebody who has a um has to go for treatment twice a month you know yes. what about somebody and and there again the the leaps and bounds made in for example the mental health care act which now under insurance you can get coverage um that's something to follow up on right for for uh, hr teams to be aware of but i do want to just come back to your earlier point which i think is very poignant because we're also very careful when we're asking for stories that we don't feel that we're pressurizing anyone um to give up their anonymity if they don't want to if they're not comfortable with because it is it is an imperfect world right i mean there is a possibility that someone who supports you personally today um two months later doesn't want to hire you because they're worried that okay well she but we know that she has bipolar disorder or we know that she has you know it is a huge problem for for folks so i think that there's something to be said for doing like a rating and sensitizing for corporates um but there's something to be said for young people i mean it's really brave of them to do it and sometimes you do also want to say think it through you know because uh, we're not yes. in that perfect world where yes, you know yes. people won't uh, necessarily judge also sometimes i feel that maybe the young people um and pardon me for saying that but i'm just saying sometimes are they confusing stress uh just work life stress with what they believe is depression is it a loosely used term because that can really really derail the movement uh depression yeah loosely yeah i mean absolutely i think depression is one of the most the the, the issue that people i'm mujhe anxiety hai aur mujhe depression hai are these two phrases being used too loosely when your boss has screamed at you or your report is not great or you're failing at the revenue targets i mean that has happened to all of us right yeah. i mean we failed at many spaces yeah. across in our careers yeah. and is it that the new generation sometimes are unfortunately i mean and and, and unconsciously of course is just picking up this phrase because they need to convince themselves 
uh, yeah, that's that's actually good insight. I think that um, I mean it points to good insight. What happens is the flip side. Uh, the way that we use depression and anxiety as just synonyms. Uh, people who suffer, uh, you know, who have like been diagnosed with major depression uh, or issues like that, and need to be, um, uh, you know, need to receive treatment. The flip side of this usage or, or vocabulary that we use so loosely is that they're often told just shake it off, right? Like just deal with it. That that's life. Yeah, that's yeah. not a deal. Get on with it. Take a holiday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Go you for know, a spa. It, yeah. Go do some exercise. It'll help do you. Do some meditation. It'll calm yeah, you down. Yeah. So there's definitely this conflation in our ta- in our minds. I think I'm not sure that young people use it too loosely. I feel like um, I feel like it's 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 in the vocabulary now as separate things, right? Like the blues. Let's look at the depression as the blues, which all of us go through. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, and 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 uh, and a diagnosis. But at the same time, stress. You know, I was really surprised. I don't know if you remember. Like, I mean especially a few years ago, the international headlines were stress is the biggest killer. Stress yeah, is going yeah. to... There's so many things we're not aware of in terms of like... I, and I think as Indians, uh, to be honest with you, I think we're conditioned to work ourselves to that point of near burnout. You know, yes, like if you're not uh, if you're not performing at a high level, yes. you're not... Uh, I mean, I think our self-actualization process is through work, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. and that's just a testament to how competitive it is here. But yes. also how we are then making some of these problems worse. We're not able to... You, nobody will come to you. Like so a psychologist told a friend of mine, you only come when there's a huge crisis right when yes. you're about to just collapse when you're hitting rock yeah. bottom yes. as opposed to looking at it as a preventive kind of protecting your own mental health right so Amrita as we wrap this up your last thoughts as to how Health Collective is putting together a network of people and being like a little you know trampoline where people can land oh, and then bounce back up <laughs> yes <laughs> um uh, thanks i mean i think that what we are really above all is as we try to maintain that safe space we are a community so there are times when obviously um it's it's a bit difficult to keep going and uh what keeps us going keeps me going certainly and the, and the few reporters who work with me uh we do get emails every once in a while from people who say that i feel less alone i've read someone going through what i'm going through you know how do i um uh, can i share my story where do i get help um and the biggest piece for me is that you know I mean it became a hashtag for us not alone because everything is a hashtag but it it, it speaks to a more powerful um, a point which is that collectively as a community we will get much more support and there are not enough psychiatrists and psychologists I mean unfortunately in India for everybody who needs them um, and a lot of the um, issues we need to deal with we can do collectively now again we can't provide you uh, the psychological intervention you need but we're here we're trying to do more offline as well with survivor groups and so on so the community aspect of it is important to me and before the, we close this, just tell me if somebody is suffering, what are the three things you would ask them to do immediately when they realize that there is an issue? Uh, I think it's almost even more for those around them. Find out, what, you know, look, just be aware, learn more about what are the signs and symptoms of someone who's going through. So we talked about self-harm. Uh, if you know what the, the, the most common uh, um, symptoms are for actual, for anxiety, for depression, um, the more you are aware, the more you'll be aware of the folks around you. We put a lot of burden on the person going through uh, the issue. So the number one thing for everyone, I think, would be just learn as much as you can. Uh, number two is read be up, aware. Read up, read watch. Up. Yeah, yeah. And, and you have a lot, of, obviously, I'm self-servingly. On our website, you have a lot of <laughs> information but we also have been trying to collate a list of like resources where can you go for help that you can trust yes. now there's when you crowdsource these things there's a little bit of a uh, you know concern sometimes because obviously you can't be liable and so on but I, if you notice I call uh, TIS in Bombay has that I call helpline which is a crowdsource uh, spreadsheet which goes into the you know nitty gritty of how, who has a sliding scale affordability is huge right who, how many people yes, can of afford course. Um, who has a sliding scale who do they trust for gender rights for LGBTQ communities um, so two is figuring out where those resources are and and three is don't be ashamed. Like don't internalize any of the stigma or shame. Don't be ashamed to ask for help. I think those will be the three most powerful things. Amrita, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks.
माइंड गेम्स माइंड गेम्स माइंड गेम्स विद अनंदिता चैटर्जी